With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. The boys are back, and it is a very special episode and you know everyone knows all everyone listening to the show knows i'm actually when this is being released in hawaii you know when this drops at 4 30 a.m central time zone and god's time zone it's only going to be like 11 30 or 10 30 p.m wherever i am so who knows i'm i, I might still tweet about this when it drops but uh just because i'm out of the great state of kansas doesn't mean i don't have something very special for you guys this man has been along and, and again, you know, I don't want to gas him up too much, but, you know, you might might see uh, an uptick in recruiting rankings ever since he came along. I think, at least based on the picture he has on the K-State website, he has the best head of hair on the entire football staff, but he's hiding it away with a hat as I'm talking to him on Zoom. He has some championship DNA in him coming from Clemson. It is the man, the myth, the legend, Chuck Lilly, Chuck. Welcome to Bosco's Boys, your first time on with us. You'll get your initiation at the end when we ask some of our wacky questions, but we're recording this on the 25th of May. It's going to drop on June 6th, but just kind of walk me through how you're feeling on this, you know, starting to get a little less wet or May afternoon. Well, first off, Scott, thank you for having me on. Um, Love the show. Love what you guys do. Appreciate everything that that you guys do for K-State and, and do for our fan base as, as far as the content that you provide. Um, but man, just excited. You know, we had a, uh, had a busy, uh, busy spring. Uh, you know, a lot of guys come through the, through the program, through the facility uh, from a visitor standpoint uh, throughout spring practice, a lot of visits uh, going on in, in the months of April and May, uh, both officially and unofficially coaches out on the road, seeing guys. So, it's been an exciting time. It's been a whirlwind. It's been a grind, but, you know, uh, we love what we do and, and think we got better this spring. So that's what it's all about. For sure. And we'll touch on it maybe a little bit later, but it is truly nonstop for you guys. You guys just wrap up the 2022 roster and it's about to be camp season. And again, at least in the climate era, I feel like every time a camp season comes and goes, there might be an offer that a, a fans might be like, uh, you know, who, who's that guy? You know, wh- why'd that happen? Uh, but then he turns out to be an absolute stud. Um, how much energy does camp season kind of bring to the football offices all throughout the month of June? Well, <clears throat> I'd say the camp season really is, is a culmination of, of everybody in the building's hard work, uh, you know, throughout the year. Uh, guys don't just show up to camp 
uh, out of the blue and, you know, perform well and, and we offer them and they wind up being Wildcats, you know, rarely ever does that ever happen. Um, guys that come to camp uh, and perform and ultimately get that offer, a lot of the times those are guys that we've identified at some point during the year, have recruited to get to camp, have an idea of who they are coming in and, and have a plan as to what we're looking for when they do show up. So, you know, different programs utilize camps in different ways. For us, it's, it's an evaluation tool. It's an opportunity to potentially, uh, you know, show a guy campus or, or the facilities for the first time. Um, but really, it's, it's a major evaluation tool for us uh, that we spend a lot of time and, and energy and effort uh, getting the right people here, uh, you know, recruiting them to come to camp and making sure that we evaluate what we need to see while they're here. For sure. Uh, I'm going back to your bio again. I love the hair. I'm jealous of the hair. Uh, but I do have a question for you again. Right, right I, now, a little bit <laughs> down. And hey, that looks so good, even even after wearing a hat. So you know, I I think you got to let it flow. But but I under I understand. Uh, and I was gonna save this for the end, but it, it just I I want to kind of razz you a little bit. How many years do you have to be at K State or in the business before the line changes? Chuck Lilly, a bright young mind in recruiting and scouting world. Like, how long do you still get to be the bright young mind before just you know you you graduate up to being like oh no I'm just a stud well hopefully you know hopefully I'm still young uh I don't know how bright I am I'm you know by the time this release is all turned 27 uh, I'm turning 27 next week um so hopefully I'm still considered hopefully thank you hopefully I'm still considered young uh I I don't know where the bright came from I think somebody just kind of threw that in as a as a filler adjective but no it's uh uh, you know, I appreciate uh, anybody uh, that that recognizes me and, and uh, the work that I do. You know, I, I consider uh, this job, you know, truly a blessing. I, I, I don't ever feel like I show up and punch a clock. I, I don't feel like I, I go to work every day. Uh, you know, I, I get paid and, and I'm making a career out of having a, a ton of fun and doing what I love to do. And, you know, for me, uh, you know, being involved uh, at the collegiate level, uh, you know, working in athletics and, and specifically within football, uh, you know, to me, there's no greater job in the world. And uh, to have an impact on, on young people, to uh, be able to, uh, you know, allow them to grow and uh, become the man they're ultimately destined to be and, and playing a small uh, role in that is uh, it's life-changing for us. You know, these guys really, they, they have a bigger impact on us than we ever have on them. Uh, you know, they make us better people along the way. And uh, for that, I, I'm eternally grateful. I love to hear that. Um, so let's just start off with your journey to K-State. Now you, you've been here for a while, but for, for folks who maybe aren't as entrenched in it, just kind of walk us through your path. You know, you're at Clemson before that. How did you find out about this opening? Why did you want to get involved with K-State? Just what was that path look like for you? So <clears throat> I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. 
um, you know, I grew up in a pro town and, well, and uh, I, I, sorry, I, I try not to interrupt, but I, I know you're from Baltimore because someone likes to get a little chesty whenever the Ravens and chiefs are playing. Oh yeah. I see, I see you really puff your chest out when that matchup happens seemingly every year. So should, it should be around for years to come. You know, both teams got pretty good quarterback and, uh, think we'll both be duking it out for, next five, 10 years and, uh, you know, having some uh, Super Bowl representation from those two programs. But, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a sports town, uh, but but it was a pro town. It, it wasn't a college football town. Um, and, and I grew up loving the Ravens. I grew up loving the Orioles. I, I uh, played football and, and baseball every year growing up. And uh, for me, you know, I, I was always fascinated with the Ravens and, and how they built their roster and, and how they uh, handled the draft. Um, and I think my, my love for roster building, I mean, honestly, it started playing the game in Madden, uh, going into franchise mode and, and uh, simulating the season because I didn't care about necessarily playing the game. I wanted to get to the offseason and, and make free agent acquisitions. I wanted to go through the draft and, and build the team that way uh, and just kind of studying and analyzing how the Ravens did that and how other teams did that, you know, managing the cap, you know, how they spent their draft picks. Uh, where value is placed uh, positionally, that was always fascinating to me. Um, and uh, I got to Clemson uh, in 2013. Uh, it's a long story that, that I won't get into, but uh, probably wasn't supposed to be there and uh, really got lucky, uh, you know, having somebody take a chance on me and, and uh, finding a way to, to get my foot in the door, you know, as, just as a student. Um, and then in my junior year of college, uh, you know, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I knew I loved sports. I, I knew I wanted to do something sports based. Um, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know if it was broadcasting. I didn't know if it was journalism. Um, but one day I kind of just realized that, you know, hey, football team here is pretty good. Kind of like to work for them. Uh, and I really just walked into uh, the football facility at Clemson. Uh, it's not what it is now. Uh, it's pretty similar to the way that veneer structured. Uh, you know, they, they had a, their whole complex in the West Stadium of the end zone. Um, and I just kind of walked in and, and I followed the noise and, and the noise was up on the second floor. Um, and that happened to be the recruiting office. And I had no intention of walking into the recruiting office that day. Um, but again, I just followed where I heard voices coming from and, uh, you know, I, I asked to speak to somebody that was in charge and I kind of got turned away and they told me to, you know, come back the next day. And so I did, uh, I was kind of naive and didn't really know any better, you know, didn't really pick up on the social cue to, you know, leave and, and not come back. But, uh, so I came back the next day and, uh, I was kind of, you know, I think that happened to me probably three or four days in a row and, uh, I just kept showing up and I brought my resume with me every time. And, Eventually, I got to sit down with the director of recruiting there, and, um, you know, he, he told me that he, I was a junior at the time, and he told me that he was really looking for freshmen and sophomores, because uh, it would probably take a year to understand the whole operation and, and what they were doing, and, and then, you know, want to have a, at least two or three years to give back to the program after that. So, uh, you know, being the quick thinker that I am, I lied to him and told him that I was going to be around for the fifth year, and... Uh, just asked if I could leave my resume with him. I told him I didn't want to get paid. I wasn't looking for college credit. I just really wanted to be in the building and, and help. 
And for whatever reason, uh, you know, he, he took my resume and uh, I got a call the next week and uh, said, hey, if you're truly willing to do this for free and, uh, you know, you're going to be around a little while, you know, think we could use your help. And so that was my foot in the door. And um, I worked in the recruiting office that, that fall. Um, you know, probably didn't go in more than six or eight hours a year or six or eight hours a week. And all I, all I really did, all, all I was ever really tasked with was helping to uh, direct message uh, the graphics out on Twitter and, and help the coaches out with that. Um, I got a little bit more responsibility in the spring, uh, you know, was, was helping out a good bit as a senior. Uh, and I graduated uh, on time, uh, unlike what I told my boss and uh, you know, I just asked if there was any room for me to stick around. And I guess I had done a good enough job up to that point to, you know, where they were willing to keep me around. And so I did that uh, for another year as a post-grad intern in the recruiting office. And so after, uh, you know, three seasons of working with the football team, uh, I, I kind of thought that I wanted to go the NFL route and I was looking at doing that, but there weren't any opportunities available. Um, but there was a, not a graduate assistant position, but, uh, you know, like a graduate uh, intern opening with the defense. And so uh, I went to some of the guys on the defense that I had worked with and kind of asked them what they thought. And, you know, they thought I'd be a good candidate. So I talked to Coach Venables, I talked to Coach Sweeney, and they said, you know, if you can get into grad school and you're willing to pay your own way, then, then you can do it. And, uh, you know, it was very fortunate to be in a position where my parents were able to help me out. Uh, I was able to get a scholarship uh, through the school and, and get a lot of that grad school paid for and uh, wound up sticking around that 2018 season and working uh, with the defense. And, uh, you know, just from a learning experience, everything that went on that year, you know, that was uh, an invaluable learning experience. Uh, and then after that season, I went up to New York uh, and worked with the Giants and, and their pro scouting department, uh, doing a summer internship with them, kind of learning all about. I uh, went in after the draft, um, but learned a lot about, uh, you know, free agency, how they track guys, how they graded guys, you know, what they were looking for at each position, um, you know, and when cut down day came, how they were managing their own roster and, and you know, how they could potentially upgrade with the pool of free agents that were available after that. Um, so that was that was a phenomenal uh, eight weeks and I returned to Clemson uh, and really only, uh, you know, the defensive position that I had vacated uh, was no longer available to me. And uh, the recruiting office was kind of full and, you know, it was mid-August, late August at this point. And I, I didn't really have anywhere to go. Um, so I asked if I could stick around in any capacity whatsoever. And, and uh, you know, what they told me was if I could write some advanced reports on teams that, you know, we maybe would play in the, in the playoff, uh, you know, that could, that could be a reason uh, for me to stick around, a, a way for me to help the team. So that was what I did. And uh, after that season, I, I kind of knew it was time for me to go. I, I knew there probably wasn't going to be anything for me there full time. Uh, long term. And so I started looking around for other positions. I uh, had a couple of interviews, uh, interviewed with NC State for an assistant director, player personnel with them. And I did not get that job. But that interview uh, 
with their director of player personnel, who's now at Texas, uh, led me to my interview at K-State. Uh, their director of player personnel had worked with Coach Anderson uh, back at Northern Illinois and at Minnesota, I believe, for a little while. And, uh, you know, he passed my resume, my resume along to Coach Anderson. And uh, I guess, as they say, the, the rest is history. Man, is Coach Anderson like moonlighting in HR? You know, he helped get you over there, had the connection with Coach Ward. So, I mean, I, I wish I would have known that. I, I would have asked him about that a couple months ago. So uh, next time I get him on, I'm going to have to call him, you know, you know, head of HR, Brian Anderson. So yeah, he's the reason a couple of us are here. So I'm, I'm thankful for him. I'm, you know, thankful for Billy Glasscock. I'll, I'll give him a, a shout out and Jordan Sorrells, who's our uh, the recruiting director at, at Clemson. So, uh, you know, grateful for, for those guys and, and helping me out along the way. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, now you're at K-State. Uh, just give an overview of what your role entails for some of the folks who, again, aren't uh, solely dedicated to following, you know, how the, the team operates. You know, our, our fans of this podcast go from like the casual, hey, I'm watching on Saturday to the absolute diehard. So just kind of lay out yeah, your responsibilities with the squad, uh, you know, these these days. So, um, you know, my my day-to-day -day is, is uh, probably, it, it always varies, and, and that's a lot of the fun of the job. Um, but I'd, I'd say the simple answer is uh, can range from uh, helping out with visits when we do have recruits on campus uh, to watching film, eva evaluating film, uh, helping organize our recruiting database and, and making sure that uh, guys are getting watched, guys are placed uh, on boards where they need to be, uh, you know, making sure that that they're uh, getting the mail and all, all the digital and physical uh, content that that we're producing and wanting to send to them, uh, you know, as long as trying to uh, make relationships with guys, because that's really what this is about is, is it's a relationship business. And uh, while a lot of the, uh, you know, bricks and sticks, as Coach Malone likes to say, uh, are, are nice. Uh, you know, you have nice facilities at, at uh, you know, different places and, and the veneer complex is, is wonderful, but uh, veneer is not what is going to sell a, a prospect or recruit and their family on, on playing at K-State. It's the relationship that they have with, uh, you know, their coach uh, and the relationships that, that they have with other people in the program. And so I, I view my job is, is uh, in that aspect as being a, a small part of why a, a recruit may choose to come to K-State is because of the relationship uh, that uh, they have with their coach, that they have with other support staff members. And if I can play a small part in that, then, then that's what I need to do to help this team. So in the world of recruiting, I, I think since you, like since your first season, there's seemingly been a big rule change or something that has shaking up the world of recruiting you know the whole idea of the transfer portal okay hey it used to be you have to get something signed you have to talk to coaches ad then you can transfer now you plug your name into a database you go off uh the one uh the transfer sit out period has been completely abolished one-time transfer rule uh, and even then i think the ncaa is starting to get a little hasty with some waivers but you know i'll, I'll keep that to myself I, I won't make you comment on that uh, and now we're seeing NIL, everything has just completely 
changed almost every single year. How do you just stay on your toes and adapt to the ever-changing world when it comes to recruiting? Because, you know, everything that went into it this year, it's probably all going to look different 12 months from now. You know, it's, it's, it's hard. Um, you know, I won't sugarcoat it. it it's, it's difficult. Um, but with that being said, you know, I, I think for every, uh, every challenge, every obstacle that, that we face, there's an opportunity to be found there. Um, and while it's, uh, you know, easy for, uh, anybody now to uh, just get up and uh, you know leave their program. Um, you know one of the things that, that we need to do to combat that is to make sure that we do have strong relationships with our players uh, and make it to where that you know they don't want to leave, uh, regardless of uh, playing time or, or how far away from home they may be. Um, you know that that's an opportunity for us to to build even better relationships with our players and then. Uh, as far as uh, taking players out of the transfer pool, you know, now there's, there's a, a whole new, uh, you know, pool of, of prospects, a whole new uh, pool of players that can help get us better. And, you know, obviously we're, we're in this to make great relationships with players, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, we're, we're judged on wins and losses. And, um, you know, we want to field the best, most competitive roster that we can. Uh, without compromising the character and integrity of our locker room. And so uh, when the field of available candidates is expanded from just high school players to players that, uh, you know, may have a playing experience at the college level, um, you know, that, that allows us opportunities to get better. And while it's hard to manage and track all of that right now without a, a you know, ton of uh, you know, barriers on uh, timeframes for when guys can enter and when they can be recruited. Um, you know, there is a larger pool of candidates to choose from. Uh, and, and we're able to assess different things, whether, uh, you know, we need uh, to kind of patch a hole, uh, so to speak, and bring in a player uh, that has some experience at a position where the room may be relatively inexperienced. We're, we're able to go out and find guys that uh, may be able to, you know, provide that experience that that room is missing. So I'm going to ask about what recruiting the transfer portal looks like. But before I do, in the Coach Climbing era at K-State, you know, some folks turn their nose up at the transfer portal. Oh, you know, everything's going to hell in a handbasket, Colin Coward, you know, all, all these shock jocks. But at least for K-State, it has been a – Massive net positive, at least from my opinion. If you look at just guys who are on NFL rosters today, you have Keandre Thomas. He was a transfer who came in. Riley Moore, transfer who came in. You had a draft pick and Russ Yeast, transfer, came in. You had a fan favorite in Reggie the Sauce Boss Stubblefield who came in last year. It, it has seemingly been a great weapon for you guys, including – some folks that there's a lot of high hopes coming in for this year. What does that process look like? Everyone follows rivals transfer portal on Twitter. There's a name out there. And then all of a sudden it's a waiting game for fans to see, okay, you know, is Chuck Lilly going to follow him on Twitter? Is a coach going to follow him on Twitter? That's what it looks like from the fan period. But what does it look like for you guys? Name goes in the portal. How do you determine, okay, we want to go after this guy? Well, you know, there's a, <clears throat> there's a couple aspects to that. 
um, you know, a valuable tool for us as far as the evaluation side of it goes is, is PFF. Um, so we're able to, you know, when you look at a high school prospect, uh, while we have the ability to look at all of their game film and watch every single play, you know, we're typically watching highlights, at least at, at the first step. Um, with guys entering the transfer portal, we're able to look at PFF, which is a little bit more uh, in depth. We're able to, you know, pretty easily sort through, you know, their good plays, their bad plays, uh, you know, depending on their position. Uh, <clears throat> if it's a corner, for example, uh, you know, plays where that guy was targeted in man coverage, you know, plays where, uh, you know, that guy missed a tackle or plays where that guy gave up a touchdown and we're able to watch the film and kind of assess and break down uh, why that happened. Um, whereas when you're watching a highlight film uh, of a high school player, you know, you're, you're only ever seeing him make plays. You, you don't always necessarily know what it looks like when they're not making those plays, when it's not a highlight. Um, and so we do have the resources to be able to uh, construct our own film uh, for high school players, but looking at it from an evaluation standpoint with the transfer portal players, uh, we do have a little bit more film, uh, higher quality film that we're able to evaluate uh, and look at and determine whether or not that guy meets our specific need uh, for what we're going after, uh, you know, in that cycle. Um, as far as the amount of players getting in when they get in and deciding, you know, whether or not they are a fit for us. Um, you know, I would tell you, I, I think for us and, and probably a lot of programs out there, it's a big red flag if a guy's getting in in the middle of the season. Um, you know, to me, that, that's, that's meaning a, a guy may have quit on, on his team. And there's circumstances around that that uh, vary from player to player. And that's just a lot of legwork. Uh, you know, for us, and, and we do uh, our best ability to kind of get a background on those guys. Why did they go in the portal? You know, why did they get in when they did? Uh, you know, was there a coaching change? Did something back home happen? Um, so there's a lot of legwork going into that that isn't necessarily a part of the high school evaluation process. Um, but, you know, typically what we're doing is we're looking through the entries that go into the transfer portal really about every day. And, and right now it's about a 365-day-year uh, job looking at that. Um, and we got to determine whether or not that guy meets a certain athletic threshold uh, and you know has the dimensions that we're looking for at his position. And then uh, we got to do a pretty thorough background check. We're going to talk to the kid. We're going to talk to coaches at the school. Um, you know, we're going to talk to high school coaches uh, and try to figure out who he is uh, and whether or not he's going to fit in our program and, you know, try to then stack him up against everybody else that, you know, has come available to that point, uh, you know, at his position. Um, and the, uh, I guess the tricky thing with that can be not knowing what else is going to come available. You know, if we're, only going to take one player at a certain position and it's, uh, you know, January 20th. Uh, do we want to try to sign this guy and have him here for spring ball? Or do we think something better may come available uh, when someone else leaves the portal after spring ball, you know, from another program. And it's, it's looking at all of that and trying to project and, and trying to have a, a, a pulse of, of what's going to happen. Um, 
you know, with other rosters, with, uh, you know, maybe players that we tracked out of high school and, and where they may potentially be uh, on a depth chart. Uh, you know, we, we don't know. We can't have contact with those guys. But, uh, you know, if you kind of knew some guys and, and uh, recruited them pretty hard out of high school and they're going into year three and they haven't been the starter, or they've played sparingly and, and, you know, they, they may not be in line to be the starter uh, going into this year. Maybe they're a candidate to, to get in. And uh, if there's not great available options out there, uh, you know, at the time that we're looking at potentially adding a player, maybe we're better off waiting and, and seeing what else does come available. Um, or are we going to look at the guys that, that are, uh, you know, available to us in the moment and say, this guy makes us better and it's better to have one in the hand than two in the bush. Um, so all that is, is factored into it. The ability to have somebody here uh, for spring ball and allow them to learn the system and, and be in the building uh, is something that, that we value tremendously. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's not a perfect science. There, there's no perfect answer to it. Um, but trying to evaluate who's out there and, and who else may come available uh, and how to, you know, best outfit your team for the fall uh, is uh, something that the transfer portal has been a blessing and a curse for. So one more thing kind of in that realm, I, I do want to ask, how do you guys manage and how, how does the staff manage, you know, deciding going portal versus high school versus junior college, how do you balance kind of, you know, keeping the classes separated and, you know, the, you know, asset allocation. We, we talked before we hit record on this, that, you know, the counter rule is kind of gone for the time being, but you still have to stay within that 85. So how do you uh, kind of allocate? Is that a plan? You know, do you have your plan for, you know, the 2023 class? Hey, we want uh, a, high school quarterback wide receiver blah 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 and then hey we think we're going to need a portal safety defense blah 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 how do you how do you manage that in season uh it's it's a little bit of forecasting uh, along with having a pulse uh on the roster and and having uh an idea as the season goes along you know what your needs are and adjusting to it um you know when we have players that we know we're going to be out of eligibility, um, you know, that, that are on scholarship. We know that we're going to have, for, have to replace those guys. And we have numbers at, at every position um, that we try to get to, 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 you know, best distribute our scholarships and, and you know, maintain a, a well-balanced uh, competitive roster. So, you know, we know that there's going to be guys that uh, we can go out uh, and get at the high school level. Um, and we're going to, you know, ultimately we're, we're going to be a developmental program. Our, our goal is to, uh, you know, sign players. We're going to sign as, as many players from the state of Kansas as we can. Uh, and, and we're going to try to build this team with, uh, you know, guys, you know, predominantly from the Midwest that, you know, fit our values and, and fit our culture. Um, you know, not every talented player in this country is necessarily a fit for K-State and, I think that's the other thing that people may uh, lose sight of when looking at recruiting rankings and looking at stars. And, uh, you know, there are, are states out there that produce 
uh, you know, extremely talented players, but those guys may not be a fit for K-State. They may not have an interest in us. We may not have an interest in them. Um, and, and that's okay because we're going to find the best, uh, you know, used to be we're going to find the best 25 guys to bring in here every year. You know, now it's about, you know, outfitting the best 85 that, that we can. Um, but as far as looking at it, you know, we're going to uh, sign, you know, really good high school players, uh, whether those guys contribute in year one or they need some time to, you know, develop physically, mentally, uh, whatever the case may be, and they don't contribute until uh, year three or year four. And if a guy doesn't contribute in, until year four, you know, I think it's pretty easy for, uh, you know, the casual fan to, to uh, sit there and say that guy was a bust. But, you know, if, if a guy comes in in red shirts and uh, the roster isn't in a position where he's able to get on the field as, as a sophomore, uh, and maybe he's just not ready as a second year player or, you know, year three, he's not ready uh, or, you know, he's got guys in front of him. That doesn't mean that that player is not going to contribute and, and be a uh, meaningful player for K-State. Um, you know, I, I like to think of the, uh, the bamboo adage, right? You, you plant the bamboo seed and, and you, know, you water it and it doesn't grow and you water it again and it doesn't grow and you come back a month later and it doesn't grow that doesn't mean that seed is dead because eventually that bamboo tree is going to sprout up and it's going to grow 10 feet within a matter of weeks. And there are a lot of players across the college football landscape that act in that way. And sometimes it just takes time for them to mature physically, uh, mature off the field, uh, you know, understand the playbook. And when that light bulb goes off for them, so to speak, uh, and e again, even if that's in year four, they still have two years that they can con contribute. Um, you know, if a guy's contributing as a, as a true freshman, uh, there's a good chance that by the end of year three, he's gone. So you got a guy that plays as a true freshman that gives you three years. You got a guy that doesn't play until he's a redshirt junior, right, in his fourth year, and he's still able to give you two. So we're looking for developmental players that fit our program that are going to buy in uh, and maintain, uphold, and enhance our culture. And those guys come in all shapes and sizes. And just because they're not ready to go right away does not mean that they are not valuable assets to our program. Uh, and then as far as filling in uh, any remaining holes and, and upgrading our roster through the transfer portal, through the junior college ranks, um, you know, a lot of times what we're aiming to do is find players that, that have uh, additional experience. Uh, we're probably never going to go out and sign a junior college player that hasn't played. And if we go out and get a transfer portal player that hasn't played, that's because we had a pretty damn good relationship with him coming out of high school. And, and we know what that guy's about. Um, typically what we're doing in junior college and, uh, the transfer portal market is we're looking for guys with playing experience that can come in and, and uh, you know, be able to contribute right away. And, and that's just having a pulse uh, on the roster, you know, knowing where we need some help across the board and being able to go out, identify the guys that, uh, you know, fit that for us from an athletic ability standpoint. And like I said previously, vetting out that they are going to, 
uh, you know, fit the locker room and not detract in any way, not be a selfish teammate, but can buy in and, and uh, you know, whether they're the starter or whether they're, you know, fourth on the depth chart, that those guys are, are going to contribute on special teams, going to contribute at their position, going to contribute in the locker room. Um, so it, it's a balancing act, but but our staff does a phenomenal job of, of uh, vetting all that stuff out and making sure we're bringing in the right people and bringing in really, really good athletes. Yeah, one thing I want to touch on, because when, when you're doing the bamboo analogy, uh, you know, the, the guy whose name's about to go up on the stadium sitting in the OC chair, Colin Klein, comes in red shirts, his first year playing, he's playing as a wide receiver. He, you know, his, his red shirt sophomore year, he, he's almost a gadget guy playing, you know, single wing football, you know, pl- rushing the ball 40 times as we beat Texas. And then his tree takes off. And then before you know it, ring of honor, Heisman trophy. And, and I think he's a guy who, uh, you know, in the program, in that chair now, I, I, I feel like he fits that analogy perfectly. So, you know, feel free to, you know, make that into a graphic, you know, talk to the graphics team and put, you know, Colin Klein on bamboo trees and all that type of stuff. Feel free to take that idea for free. All right, I'll do it. We'll take that. Uh, before we get into the next question, I want to give a shout out to all the boneheads. Guys, I know I'm missing this upcoming Wednesday, but the live show on ColorCast is back June 15th at 7 p.m. And from that moment on, from June 15th, 7 p.m., every single Wednesday for the rest of the year, we're going live on the ColorCast app. You never know who might show up. Taylor Bratt has showed up in our live shows just randomly a handful of times. So, Chuck, after this one airs, at some point this summer, you might need to download the ColorCast app. 7 p.m., I tweeted out from Bosco's, boys, you might have to jump in, make a celebrity guest appearance on the live show, and talk to the boneheads, the fans of this show, yourself because I think you're going to be in high demand after this one. So just think about it. If you're ever free Wednesday, 7 p.m., just hop on over. All right, boneheads, I'll be there. All right. Uh, so uh, there, there's only a couple more before we end with some of the you know funnier stuff. Uh, we saw not just at K-State, but across college football as a whole, see a junior college kind of renaissance this spring. Ever since the portal and uh, the transfer uh, sit-out uh, period, uh, was abolished, we've seen junior college recruiting really almost go dormant. You know, the pandemic and the the mismatch of all the different seasons in JUCO, that played a role in it. Transfer portal played a role in it. But do you have any hypothesis why it really took off in this spring? Well, <clears throat> you know, I, I can I can speak from uh, I can speak from our vantage point, which was, you know, we went out and, and we signed a phenomenal class of high school seniors uh, and, and almost all of them were, were signed in December. You know, we added a few more in the February signing period, but we still had, uh, we still had available spots. And uh, obviously plan was to uh, go out and, and get some players uh, through the transfer portal market. And when we started looking uh, at a couple of different positions, as far as who was available, um, you know, there were a few guys that uh, we missed out on initially. And then uh, I guess that second wave, uh, so to speak, never really came um, as far as players that, that we felt were uh, good enough to uh, contribute here, or maybe they were, uh, you know, good players that 
may have only had a, a year of eligibility remaining that we didn't know if, if that was the best route to go down. Um, and so, you know, we started looking into uh, the junior college, uh, you know, recruits and, and were kind of astonished, I guess, uh, to see how many of them were available and, and how many talented players there were. Um, you know, there were, were some guys that, that we added uh, to the uh, initial signing class uh, that, that we had intended on signing and, and were, uh, you know, kind of recruiting the whole time. Uh, and then there were other players that, that came up, uh, you know, at positions of need that were, uh, you know, better than almost every player that we were looking at in the transfer portal or were just as good as every player uh, coming available in the transfer portal and, and had three years of play instead of one. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, we uh, kind of realized that, that that was a bit of an untapped resource uh, in, in this class and felt like we could make we could do a lot of damage uh, going back to the junior college ranks. And uh, again, when you're looking at somebody coming out of junior college or uh, coming uh, out of the transfer portal, you, know, you got to make sure that they're the right fit. And that was the biggest thing for us was was identifying guys that we felt like were uh, talented enough and uh, were going to fit right into the locker room. And we ultimately wound up finding guys that kind of better fit that profile of what we were looking for at a couple of different positions, uh, you know, in, in the junior colleges, as opposed to the transfer portal. All right. And then final one, before we end with some fun, uh, silly questions at the end, uh, what are one or two of the biggest scouting wins since you've been here, whether it be a high school player, whether it be a Juco guy, whether it be a portal guy that you were like, all right, we found this guy, we scouted him better than the entire nation. And now he's ours. Just one or two guys that come to mind when you think about that. Sure. Um, well, I, I'm going to list a couple of defensive guys because uh, I'm a defensive guy. And, and so I'm a little bit more partial to them. Um, but in this most recent signing class, I'll, I'll try to keep it as current as possible. Um, you know, in this most recent signing class, uh, first guy that comes to mind is Jake Clifton. Um, I, I won't talk about any of the Kansas guys. I, I think Taylor would get mad at me if I did. Uh, I know they're, you know, they're his pride and joy and, and he takes care of them and, and uh, is all over them like, like white on rice. So I'll, I'll stay away from any of the Kansas guys, but uh, Jake Clifton was, a guy that, um, you know, we, we felt like athletically uh, w was about as good as anybody in the country. And uh, he's got the size that you look for when we uh, watched the film and, and we followed up with the high school coach uh, and, and tried to uh, figure out just his, his intangibles off the field, uh, you know, his smarts on the field, his ability to communicate, his ability to uh, you know, key and diagnose plays from, from the linebacker position and, and put himself and his teammates uh, in position to, you know, stop the opposing offense. Uh, you know, we felt like, like Jake was, was one of the best linebackers we had come across in the entire cycle. Um, and I know he had a handful of power five offers, uh, you know, Missouri, Minnesota, Illinois, uh, a couple others out there, but, um, and I know Oklahoma kind of came in late on him, but, Jake was a guy that uh, really for us felt like 
was a, not even a diamond in the rough, was kind of just an overlooked player um, for whatever reason. And uh, just extremely excited to, to have him coming in. Uh, we know, uh, you know, what he's going to provide from a uh, mental standpoint and an ability to, to uh, process, you know, how well he, how well he knows the game, uh, you know, physically, you know, he's, he's going to need to put on a little bit of weight, um, but, but he's not far off and, and just really, really excited about him. Um, I got to say him next to Toby O they're going to terrorize, just terrorize the big 12 here in a couple of years. Those two. Yeah. Whew. I'm really, really excited about both of those guys. And uh, uh, the next one I'll mention is uh, Jordan Perry. Uh, Jordan was, uh, you know, phenomenal high school player uh, as a junior. Uh, you know, played at Jefferson High School just outside of Atlanta. And uh, Jordan was, uh, you know, most of his film as a junior really was was at running back. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think Jordan was the 6A offensive player of the year in Georgia. Um, and, you know, we, we didn't quite know if, if he was what we were looking for uh, as a running back, which, which kind of delayed our, uh, you know, uh, our full court press, so to speak, on him initially. Um, and, you know, we, we knew he was a defensive prospect. We just didn't know exactly what he was, kind of thought he was a bit of a, a tweener, um, you know, from a size and, and athletic standpoint. Uh, and then we went to camp and we were able to get some, some testing numbers on him. And, uh, you know, when, when, we, when we saw those numbers and, and mashed it up against the film, we, we knew we had something. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I, I don't know why, but uh, Jordan's in a highly recruited state, uh, you know, just outside uh, or probably on the outskirts of, of the big recruiting metro right there in Atlanta, uh, playing at a really, really good school uh, that that produced a lot of Division One players, uh, both in his class and in, and in years prior. And uh, I, I don't know why, but Jordan was kind of overlooked, I guess, by by the rest of the uh, Power Five world, and uh, you know we were we were able to to get him here uh, and get him in the boat, and uh, you know couldn't couldn't be more excited about Jordan and and what he's going to bring to the table athletically. Uh, couldn't be more excited about the person and and the family. Uh, you know his, his family. They uh, his mom and his sister came up on on his official visit. And then he came back with his mom, his sister, and his dad for a game in the fall. And, uh, you know, obviously we're uh, tremendously excited about the player and, and what we think he's going to be able to provide on the field, but just who he is and, and uh, the family and the background that, that he comes from. And we, we know we had a home run with him. And uh, so just super excited. I love but it. I'll, I love I'll give, it. Uh, I'll, I'll give one more, one more teaser. I, I can't get, I can't get into, uh, you know, too many specifics, but uh, in the, you know, current 23 class, uh, you know, there's a guy that, uh, you know, I, I think is about the best in the country at, at what he does. And, uh, you know, for, for us to have him, uh, you know, potentially coming in and going to K-State uh, is not signed yet. So, 
can't say anything and, and can't count the chickens before they hatch, but uh, just think, think the world of him and, and uh, he's, he's going to do some damage for us on the field. Yeah. And, and again, I, I probably, I would love to keep you for like five hours to keep talking to you, but I, in just my own personal opinion, what you guys are already, already the handful of guys that are, you know, verbal already in 2023, some of the guys that it looks like you're closing in on uh, that might be joining the squad. Uh, I, I think the 2023 class might be a banner one for K-State as a whole. We're going to end with some fun questions and we're going to have to get you on again, because again, uh, I, I could have I could have talked to you until you know ten o'clock tonight, but I, I'm not going to keep you that long. Uh, if you only had one word to describe four time guest of the show Taylor Bratt, what one word would you use? Oh man, uh, crazy is is probably the the most fitting uh, in, in almost every sense of the word. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll go with enthusiastic. Uh, man, Taylor shows up with so much energy, so much enthusiasm every day. Uh, and he just is relentless in uh, his pursuit of, you know, getting Kansas players to, to join this roster. He's uh, relentlessly enthusiastic about this state, about this program, about his purple shoes um, you know, and, and just the enthusiasm that, that he brings, uh, you know, on visits and, and, you know, when no one's here, uh, you know, when it's, when it's just us and, and the building, uh, you know, his enthusiasm is it's contagious, it's infectious, and it is a ton of fun to be around. So, um, you know, appreciate Taylor, uh, for everything that he does for this program. Uh, and, you know, I, I know how much this place means to him and, and uh, how much he means to the K-State community. K-State kicks off versus the South Dakota Yotes in 101 days from when, from when you and I are talking, 90-some uh, from when the Boneheads are going to get to listen to this. Do you know what your game day fit is going to be for game one this year yet? Uh, you'd have to ask Al Serby. Serby gets all of us right. You know, I think it'll be Lululemon pants. I'd imagine they'd be khaki colored, some type of white, uh, you know, Nike shoe and probably a purple polo. Uh, I keep it pretty simple. There we go. If you had to go on a cross country road trip in a car with one person from the football office, who are you choosing to ride with? Player or staff? Give me a player and then give me a staff. Okay. Um, gosh, I got to think about this one. Staff, probably Taylor. He, he'd just keep it so interesting, you know, uh, get a lot of stories, you know, have a lot of laughs, probably, you know, make it somewhat uh, efficient for us because we'd, we'd get some work done. He'd, he'd, you know, get some recruiting calls going. Um, so I, I'll go with Taylor, uh, from the staff standpoint, uh, player wise, that's, that's tough. You know, we got a lot of, uh, really interesting guys on, on our team with, with a lot of personality. Um, and gosh, if I had to pick one, you know, I would probably go, uh, I'll go with Eli Huggins. I really like Eli. Eli's a, uh, uh, great leader for us. Uh, you know, has a, has a lot of fun, doesn't take himself too seriously. 
uh, I think Eli and I share a lot of common interests and uh, I think we'd have a good time on a road trip. I almost threw my arm out when I heard that he was coming back for his super senior season. So I'm pumped Eli Huggins is coming back. Uh, one of my favorite people who are employed and who have ever been employed by K-State is Miss Emily Starkey. Uh, are you ever going to be in one of her viral TikTok videos from the K-State football TikTok account? I don't think so. I think if I ever appeared in a TikTok, I think the K-State TikTok clout would, would probably go down. I want to say we're somewhere in the top three or top five with followers and, and likes. And so if I ever made an appearance in one of those, I think I would only hurt the brand. So I probably won't be making an appearance anytime soon. I don't want her to get too big of an ego, but you know, it's just, you know, any other day something goes viral NFL's reposting or, you know, ESPN. So uh, I'm going to have to get her on again soon. I got two more and these are kind of uh, the, the two that we ask almost everyone. The first one is if you were in an eating competition, life or death against someone who is the same age, same size as you, but you get to pick the food. What food are you choosing? I'm going to go with wings. Uh, I was in. Uh, That's mine too, man. I, I was in a couple of wing eating competitions uh, in my fraternity days at Clemson. Uh, and we repeated as back-to-back wing eating champions. Uh, it was me and four other guys. So shout out to those guys if they ever listened to this. Uh, but I'll go with wings because I, I know I can put some down. Okay. And like, let's say in 15 minutes, how many wings would you throw out there? Hey, I think I could get this. Like if, if I had them all on a plate and I didn't have to wait for a service time. Yep. yep. Just 15 right in front of you, life or death. Um, go with 50. Wow. 50. All right. Blue cheese or ranch with those wings? Ranch. Gotta be ranch. Oh, okay. Well, you're doing so well, but I'll give you a pass. If you ever find yourself in Kansas city, I'll, I'll take you out to the peanut. They got the best wings in Kansas city. They have the best blue cheese. The ranch is okay too. So let me know next time you're in Kansas City if you got a free 15 minutes. We'll see how many you can put down. And then the final question I'm going to ask you, and this is there's only one person we've ever had on the show who hasn't answered this. That's actually the main man himself, Chris Kleiman. He did not answer this question. But it's if you had to sing a karaoke song in front of the entire world, you know, everyone turns on their, their TV. There you are having to sing a karaoke song. What song are you singing? Oh, man. Well, I don't have a very good voice. I can't sing. I think I'm tone deaf because sometimes I sing in the shower and I think I sound all right. And then if I ever record myself on a Snapchat, it sounds awful. But uh, friends in low places, that's a that's a pretty easy one. Gets the whole gets the whole place going. Uh, You know, you don't have to hit too many notes. And so, yeah, I'll go with friends in low places. I love it. And then we always give our guests the final word. So uh, just tell K-State fans everywhere listening to this, whatever you want to tell them. Awesome. Well, uh, Boneheads, K-State Nation, man, appreciate you guys. Appreciate all your support. Um, really look forward to getting you guys back in the bill. September 3rd against South Dakota. Um, you know, we've all worked really, really hard uh, to make this place a fun environment for, for all you guys and, and to put the best product out on the field. Uh, as, as far as our team. And I, I hope you guys know that uh, every single player that we bring into this building, every single player in our locker room, uh, you know, while 
they're working extremely hard to, to give you their all on the football field, man, they're, they're doing everything possible to, to make you proud with their actions off the field. So uh, appreciate your support uh, and look forward to having you guys back. Keep supporting this place, man. It's, it's a special program. Yep. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be a special year, folks. We love you guys here at Bosco's Boys unconditionally. Keep your eye out uh, all week. We got a special one coming to you on Wednesday as well as I'm gone. Chauncey, he's trying to get in here. He's trying to talk, but we're going to wrap it up. Like I said, we love you guys. And, I, and you know what? Grant may not be on the show today, but I promise you, wherever he is, he's going to be waiting for you at the Cathead. Awesome. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea, onward Fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go State! Podcast Network.